So the topic came up yesterday of whether or not to tie safety or backup knots on a figure eight and if that is okay or if it's not okay. And that's an interesting question. Um, once again, if we go back into history a little bit, that kind of leads us to maybe how we should think about it now. And historically, the way people attached themselves to the rope was with a bowling of some sort. So sometimes that was just a bowling around the waist. Sometimes that was a bowling on a coil. And then, um, or it could have been like a bowling tied to a swami belt. Now, for those who are familiar with bowlings and familiar with figure eights, like the difference between those two knots is that um, one of the differences is that the bowling is inherently less stable of a knot in terms of you know, it's easy to kind of shake it apart and it kind of come apart. Where the figure eight, especially once it's um, tightened down, but even when it's not tightened down, it's a hard knot to kind of shake loose. So if you look through historical text, bowlins were traditionally backed up with an overhand. So, or half of a single fisherman's would be another way of thinking about that. So that is the actual traditional way of backing a knot up is just an overhand backup knot on a bowlin. So... You know, as we progress from bowlins to figure eights into roped climbing, right? You know, there's definitely a lot of um, things in climbing that is just what was done. This is what we do. You know, this is what we've always done and this is what we do. So we've changed something, but we, we're going to retain something as well. And that's where this comes into play. So when we went from tying bowlins as our primary tie-in um, to the rope to figure eight follow-throughs, right? Well, we tied backup knots on the bowling, so why wouldn't we just tie backup knots in the figure eight, right? So that, that piece is kind of carried through just as a habit more than actually looking at it kind of critically um, and seeing whether or not it's actually necessary. Now, I've searched pretty hard to figure out when we started seeing the shift from just the overhand as a backup to the actual um, half a double fisherman's, which is more commonly taught and used now as a backup. And I can't really figure out exactly when that kind of paradigm shifted a little bit to that. Certainly when I learned to tie in with a figure eight, that was the, the, the backup knot of choice was half a double fisherman's bend or barrel knot, um, stopper knot, if you will, different ways of calling that. Um, I did not learn just doing just an overhand or a um, half of a single fisherman's bend is another way of calling that. So, and that was kind of the standard for a long time. And then the standard that I learned um, was that you tie your figure eight. So all the ways that we do that well, so close to your harness and that you would dressed well, for example, tensioned. And then that when you would tie the backup knot, you would have just enough rope to tie the backup knot. So it was about two fingers distance away from the figure eight and had about, you know, two or th three inches of tail coming out of that. So everything was really tight and neat. And there was a little separation between the two knots. So you could visualize um, those knots really clearly, especially from a distance. So inspection was really easy. So I think that's a piece um, that's slightly different than what you see from some historical text where the backup knot is like pressed hard against the figure eight knot. You know, and the reason why I generally don't like to put backup knots close to the primary knot is that you, it's hard to inspect them, especially from a distance. And that inspection piece is pretty key. Um, and then, you know, the thought is that we're addressing the tail, right? So that if we 
address the tail of the knot on the tie-in knot, for example, then the knot won't come undone. So with a bowline, right, the tail won't slip through the bowline and then therefore come undone, especially thinking about lead climbing, for example, and you're kind of moving around, the knot's moving around, maybe it could kind of loosen up and then come undone. Um, or the other thought was if you don't tie the knot, the initial knot correctly, the primary knot, let's say the figure eight, for example, and it started to slip that the backup knot would slide down and jam into the primary knot and then therefore keep the system closed. Now, the interesting thing is with a figure eight knot, um, even a poorly dressed figure eight knot, there's so much friction in it, it's not going to slip, right? It doesn't slip. So I always thought the logic of tying a backup knot to protect the primary knot was a little silly. So if you can't tie the primary knot very well, what's the chance of you tying the backup knot really well? Um, so it's kind of an interesting concept to put out there. Um, and then certainly as we thought about things more and tested things more, we've come up with new ideas or different ideas. And the concept of tying a backup or safety knot in a figure eight is completely outdated at this point. Um, there's more than enough data to show us that it's unnecessary. Um, there's more than enough data um, just in the historical text to see why it started, where it started from, right? And kind of why it was brought along in kind of our new paradigm of tying in with figure eights versus bolins. Um, and there's no need for it. I haven't taught that as a professional since the mid-90s. Um, unfortunately, what we're seeing is that huge resurgence in that concept of tying this backup knot because of climbing gyms. I have no idea where they're getting their information from, why they are teaching that when the outside world essentially never teaches that, um, at least modern instruction. And modern, I mean by a couple decades old at this point, because I certainly haven't taught it in, in, in a few de couple decades. So it's a really interesting question. Why is it why is it being taught at all when it's not necessary? Um, and so there's some other things that you see that happens with that. So people will oftentimes time tie that knot because the tail of their figure eight's too long, for example. Oh, I'll just tie this little knot out of the, so it gets this tail out of the way so it's, I can climb and it's not in there. Well, that just tells me you have poor craftsmanship of tying your initial knot. So just tie your initial knot the way you want it perfectly every time. The loop around your harness is the right length and the tail length is right. And if it's not right, fix it, right? It's your life. Just fix it. What's your rush? I don't understand the logic of just tying a little bullshit backup knot. Now, the other thing that's kind of interesting is depending on what you use to tie off as a backup knot, for example, if you tie off a um, overhand knot or barrel knot, right? Those are two different knots. So if you tie an overhand knot, for example... And now you tie it kind of far away from your uh, primary figure eight knot. So you have a, a fair amount of rope between that overhand knot and your figure eight knot. What can happen is that that safety knot can slide down and it creates a loop of material between your backup knot and your figure eight knot, your primary knot. Now, if you clip into that loop, like at an anchor, for example, depending on your knot and depending on how well it's tied, it could literally pull out. So if you're expecting that to be a full strength point, and you haven't tied the correct knot, and you haven't tied it well, it's loose, it could literally pull out when you lean back. Um, if you tie a 
half a double fisherman's bend or the barrel knot, which we most people are kind of more familiar with, that's a little bit better of a knot. It probably won't pull out, especially if it's tied correctly, but why even add that potential in there? So if we know the figure eight knot is perfectly adequate, um, more than adequate to do the job, and we focus our energy to tie that well, right? Why add the extra steps and complexity of adding a safety knot if it's irrelevant? So to me, in my mind, logically, that just doesn't make sense. We're kind of teaching a false paradigm um, and way of understanding what's actually happening. So, and then think about, you know, when you have a, a safety knot or a backup knot, what does it do oftentimes when you climb? It comes undone, right? So if it's going to come undone because of climbing and motion, it's not really doing anything anyway. So now you have people who have learned about, you got to tie this safety knot because that's what makes you safe. But now it comes undone when you're climbing and they're freaking out. Like, my safety knot's undone. It's like, well, your figure eight's fine. Like, put your energy on the knot that counts. Now, when we tie bowlins in climbing, the general um, standard is to have something with your tail done. So using some sort of safety knot with the bowline so that way the bowline doesn't shake apart now if you're on a sailboat you're never going to see someone tie a bowline with a backup knot <laughs> that's just not traditionally how it's done um i've never seen a bowline move i've never seen a bowline like sometimes they'll say with cyclical loading a bowline will kind of like kind of shuffle through i've never seen that even with cyclical loading um certainly if i was lead climbing with a bowline i would definitely tie a backup knot. And there's a couple different ways to tie a bowline on your harness, some of which are better than others to actually do that. Um, so it's a little bit more fail safe. But it's really interesting um, where this has all come from and and why it's still happening. And the question my friend posted me yesterday was like, is it okay to do this or not? And I said, well, yeah, it's fine that we do it. Like I did it for years. People still do it, right? So it's not like it's causing catastrophic failure left and right, and it's just this weird systemic problem in terms of failure. Not at all. But in terms of knowing what we know now and the standards of which are in place now, I would say it's not fun to tie it, especially as a role modeling piece, because we're just pushing this dogma down the road if we continue to tie it, especially if we have the skill to tie the primary knot, the figure eight follow through well. So that's the piece I think that's really interesting. Tie that knot really well, tie it with the tail length that you want, set the knot really well, and then go climbing and don't worry about it. Um, and if you feel like you have too much tail and you want to do something to address the tail, instead of tying another knot to address the tail, just fix the tail length. It's literally that easy. It'll take you no extra time. In fact, if you know how to tie your knot really well, it won't take you any time because you'll just do it right the first time. So figure eight follow throughs with backups don't do it. No, no need for it. And then the question is, well, what's the final question, I guess, is what's the adequate tail length, right? So if you were Swiss, you'd say 12 times the diameter of the rope. You know, if you tie your knot well, and then you pull your tails to set the knot, and then for, therefore, that tail that you've tied with elongates just a little bit more, one fist length, but no more than two fist lengths. Totally fine. That knot's never going to come undone. It's going to be great. So anyway, it's a good question. Um, it, it drives me crazy all the time seeing all these people who are introduced to out, completely outdated information, typically in climbing gyms. I'm calling you out. I'm sorry, I'm doing it. 
Um, and then now I have to deal with that ramification out in the field as a guide, trying to re-educate people um, about what they're actually doing.